Part Nine of the Story of Mary MacLean. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Kristen Hughes. The Story of Mary MacLean by Mary MacLean. Part Nine. February twentieth. At times, when I walk among the natural things, the barren natural things, I know that I believe in something. Why can I not call it God and pray to it? There is something. I do not know it intellectually, but I feel it. I feel it with my soul. It does not seem to reach down to me. It does not pity me. It does not look at me tenderly in my unhappiness. My soul feels only that it is there. No, it is not all loving, all gracious, all pitying. It hurts me. It hurts me always as I walk over the sand. But even while it hurts me, it seems to promise. Ah, those beautiful things that it promises me. And then the hurting is anguish, for I know that the promises will never be fulfilled. There is within me a thing that is aching, aching, aching always as the days pass. It is not my pain of wanting nor my pain of unrest, nor my pain of bitterness, nor of hatred. I know those in all their own anguish. This aching is another pain. It is a pain that I do not know, that I feel ignorantly but sharply, and, oh, it is torture, torture. My soul is worn and weary with pain. There is no compassion, no mercy upon me. There is no one to help me bear it. It is just I alone out on the sand and barrenness. It is cruel anguish to be always alone, and so long, oh, so long. Nineteen years are as ages to you when you are nineteen. When you are nineteen there is no experience to tell you that all things have an end. This aching pain has no end. I feel no tears now, but I feel heavy sobs that shake my life to its center. My soul is wandering in a wilderness. There is a great light sometimes that draws my soul toward it. When my soul turns toward it, it shines out brilliant and dazzling and awful, and the worn sensitive thing shrinks away and shivers and is faint. Shall my soul have to know this light inevitably? Must it some day plunge into this? Oh, it may be, it may be but I know that I shall die with the pain. There are times when the great light is dim and beautiful as the starlight, the utter agony of it, the cruel, ineffable loveliness. Do you understand this? I am telling you my young, passionate life agony. Do you listen to it indifferently? Has it no meaning for anyone? For me it means everything. For me it makes life old, long weariness. It may be that you know, and perhaps you would even weep a little with me if you had time. It is as if this light were the light of the Christian religion, and the Christian religion is full of hatred. It says, Come unto me, you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But when you would go, when you reach up with your weary hands, it sends you a too brilliant light. It makes you fair, wondrous promises. It puts you off. You beseech it in your suffering. 
while the waters near me roll, while the tempest still is high. But it does not listen. It does not care. Worship me. Worship me, it says. But after that, let me alone. There is a book full of promises. Take it and thank me and worship me. It does not care. If I obey it, it looks on indifferently. If I disobey it, it looks on indifferently. If I am in woe, it looks on indifferently. If I am in a brief joy, it looks on indifferently. I am left all alone, all alone. The light is shown me, and I reach after it, but it is placed high out of my reach. I see the promises in the light. Oh, why, why does it promise these things? Is not the burden of life already greater than I can bear? And there is the story of the Christ. It is beautiful. It is damningly beautiful. It draws the tears of pain and soft anguish from me at the sense of beauty. And when every nerve in me is melted and overflowing, then suddenly I am conscious that it is a lie. A lie. Everywhere I turn there is nothing, nothing. My soul wails out its grief and loneliness. My soul wanders hither and thither in the dark wilderness and asks, asks always in blind, dull agony, how long? How long? February 22nd Life is a pitiful thing. February 23rd I stand in the midst of my sand and barrenness, and gaze hard at everything that is within my range of vision, and ruin my eyes trying to see into the darkness beyond. And nearly always I feel a vague contempt for you, fine, brave world, for you and all the things that I see from my barrenness. But I promise you, if someone comes from among you over the sunset hill one day, with love for me, I will fall at your feet. I am a selfish, conceited, impudent little animal. It is true. But after all, I am only one grand conglomeration of wanting. And when someone comes over the barren hill to satisfy the wanting, I will be humble, humble in my triumph. It is a difficult thing, a most difficult thing, to live on as one year follows another, from childhood slowly to womanhood, without one single sharer of your life. To be alone, always alone, when your one friend is gone. Oh, yes, it is hard. Particularly when one is not high-minded and spiritual. When one's near longing is not a god and a religion. When one wants above all things the love of a human being. When one is a woman, young, and all alone. Doubtless you know this. After all, fine, brave world— there are some things that you know very well. Whether or not you care is a quite different matter. You have the power to take this wooden heart in a tight, suffocating grasp. You have the power to do this with pain for me, and you have the power to do it with ravishing gentleness. But whether or not you will is another matter. You may think evil of me before you have finished reading this. You will be very right to think so according to your standards. But sometimes you see evil where there is no evil, and think evil when the only evil is in your own brains. My life is a dry and barren life. You can change it. 
Oh, the little more, and how much it is, and the little less, and what worlds away. Yes, you can change it. Stranger things have happened. Again, whether you will, that is quite a different thing. No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. I do not question that. I will admit and believe anything you may assert about yourselves. I do not want your wisdom, your judgment. I want someone to come up over the barren sunset hill. My thoughts are the thoughts of youth, which are said to be long, long thoughts. Your life is multicolored and filled with people. My life is of the gray of sand and barrenness, and consists of Mary MacLean, the longing for happiness, and the memory of the anemone lady. This portrayal is my deepest sincerity, my tears, my drops of red blood. Some of it is wrung from me, wrung by my ambition to tell everything. It is not altogether good that I should give you all this, since I do not give it for love of you. I am giving it in exchange for a few gaily colored things. I want you to know all these passions and emotions. I give them with the utmost freedom. I shall be furious indeed if you do not take them. At the same time, the fact that I am exchanging my tears and my drops of red blood for your gaily colored trifles is not a thing that thrills me with delight. But it is of little moment. When the devil comes over the hill with happiness, I will rush at him frantically headlong, and nothing else will matter. February 25th Mary MacLean, what are you, you forlorn, desolate little creature? Why are you not of and in the galloping herd? Why is it that you stand out separately against the background of a gloomy sky? Why can you not enter into the lives and sympathies of other young creatures? There have been times when you strained every despairing nerve to do so, before you realized that these things were not for you, that the only sympathy for you was that of Mary MacLean, and the only things for you were those you could take yourself, not which were given to you. And your things are few, few, you starved, lean little mud-cat, you worn, youth-weary, obscure little genius. Oh, it is wearisome waiting for the devil. February 28th Today, when I walked over my sand and barrenness, I felt infinite grief. Everything is beyond me. Nothing is mine. My single friendship shines brightly before me, and is fascinating, and always just out of reach. I want the love and sympathy of human beings, and I repel human beings. Yes, I repel human beings. There is something about me that faintly and finely and unmistakably repels. When my happiness comes, shall I be able to have it? Shall I ever have anything? This repellent power is not an outward quality. It is something that comes from deeply, deeply within. It is something that was there in the beginning. It is a thing from the original. There is no ridding myself of it. There is no ridding myself of it. There is no ridding myself of it. Oh, I am damned, damned! There is not one soul in the world to feel for me and with me, not one out of all the millions. 
No one can understand. No one. You are saying to yourself that I imagine this. What right have you to say so? You don't know anything about me. I know all about me. I have studied all the elements and phases in my life for years and years. I do not imagine anything. I am even fool enough to shut my eyes to some things until, inevitably, I know I must meet them. I am racked with the passions of youth, and I am young in years. Beyond that, I am mature, old. I am not a child in anything but my passions and my years. I feel and recognize everything thoroughly. I have not to imagine anything. My inner life is before my eyes. There is something about me that no one can understand. Can there ever be anyone to understand? Shall I not always walk my barren road alone? This follows me incessantly. It is burning like a smoldering fire every hour of my life. Oh, deep black despair! How I suffer! How I suffer just in being alive! I feel infinite grief. Oh, infinite grief! March 2nd Often in the early morning I leave my bed and get me dressed and go out into the grey dawn. There is something about the grey dawn that makes me wish the world would stop, that the sun would never more come up over the edge, that my life would go on and on and rest in the grey dawn. In the grey dawn every hard thing is hidden by a grey mantle of charity and only the light, vague, caressing fancies are left. Sometimes I think I am a strange, strange creature, something not of earth, nor yet of heaven nor of hell. I think at times I am a little thing fallen on the earth by mistake, a thing thrown among foreign, unfitting elements, where there is nothing in touch with it, where life is a continual struggle, where every little door is closed every why unanswered, and itself knows not where to lay its head. I feel a deadly certainty in some moments that the wild world contains not one moment of rest for me, that there will never be any rest, that my woman's soul will go on asking long, long centuries after my woman's body is laid in its grave. I felt this in the grey dawn this morning but the grey charitable mantle softened it. Always I feel most acutely in the grey dawn, but always there is the thing to soften it. The grey atmosphere was charged, there was a tense electrical thrill in the cold soft air. My nerves were keenly alive, but the grey curtain was mercifully there. I did not feel too much. How I wished the yellow, beautiful sun would never more come up over the edge to show me my nearer anguish. Stay with me, stay with me, soft grey dawn, implored every one of my tiny lives. Let me forget. Let the vanity, the pain, the longing sink deep and vanish, all of it, all of it, and let me rest in the midst of the grey dawn. I heard music the silent music of myriad voices that you hear when all is still. One of them came and whispered to me softly, Don't suffer any more just now, little Mary MacLean. You suffer enough in the brightness of the sun and the blackness of the night. 
This is the gray dawn. Take a little rest. Yes, I said, I will take a little rest. And then a wild, swelling chorus of voices whispered in the stillness. Rest, 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 little Mary MacLean. Suffer in the brightness, suffer in the blackness. Your soul, your wooden heart, your woman's body. But now a little rest, a little rest. A little rest, I said again. And straightway I began resting, lest the sun should come too quickly over the edge. When I have heard in summer the wind in a forest of pines, blowing a wondrous symphony of purity and truth, my varied nature felt itself abashed, and there was a sinking in my wooden heart. The beauty of it ravished my senses, but it savoured crushingly of the virtue that is far above and beyond me, and I felt a certain sore, despairing grief. But the grey dawn is in perfect sympathy. It is quite as beautiful as the wind in the pines, and its truth and purity are extremely gentle, and partly hidden under the grey curtain. Almost I can be a different Mary MacLean out in the grey dawn. Let me forget all the mingled agonies of my life. Let me walk in the midst of this soft greyness and drink of the waters of Lethe. The grey dawn is not paradise. It is not a happy valley. It is not a garden of Eden. It is not a vale of cashmere. It is the grey dawn, soft, charitable, tender. The brilliant celestial yellow will come soon it says. You will suffer then to your greatest extent, but now I am here, and so rest. And so, in the grey dawn, I was forgetting for a brief period. I was submerged for a little in Lethe, river of oblivion. If I had seen someone coming over the near horizon with happiness, I should have protested, Wait, wait until the grey dawn has passed. The deep, deep blue of the summer sky stirs me to a half-painful joy. The cool green of a swiftly flowing river fills my heart with unquiet longings. The red, red of the sunset sky convulses my entire being with passion. But the dear grey dawn brings me rest. Oh, the grey dawn is sweet, sweet. Could I not die for very love of it? The grey dawn can do no wrong if those myriad voices suddenly had begun to sing a voluptuous evil song of the so great evil that I could not understand, but that I could feel instantly, still the grey dawn would have been fine and sweet and beautiful. Always I admire Mary MacLean greatly, though sometimes in my admiration I feel a complete contempt for her. But in the grey dawn, I love Mary MacLean tenderly and passionately. I seem to take on a strange, calm indifference to everything in the world but just Mary MacLean and the grey dawn. We two are identified with each other and joined together in shadowy vagueness from the rest of the world. As I walked over my sand and barrenness in the grey dawn, a poem ran continuously through my mind. It expressed to me in my grey condition an ideal life 
and death and ending. Every desire of my life melted away in the gray dawn, except one good wish that my own life and death might be short and obscure and complete like them. The poem was this beautiful one of Charles Kingsley's. O oh, Mary, go and call the cattle home, and call the cattle home, and call the cattle home, across the sands of Dee. The western wind was wild and dank with foam, and all alone went she. The creeping tide came up along the sand, and o'er and o'er the sand, and round and round the sand, as far as I could see. The blinding mist came up and hid the land, and never home came she. Oh, is it weed or fish or floating hair, a tress of golden hair, of drowned maiden's hair, above the nets at sea? Was never salmon yet that shone so fair among the stakes on Dee? They rowed her in across the rolling foam, the cruel crawling foam, the cruel hungry foam, to her grave beside the sea. But still the boatmen hear her call the cattle home, across the sands of Dee. This is a poem perfect, and in the gray dawn it expresses to me a most desirable thing, a short, eventless life, a sudden ceasing, and a forgotten voice sometimes calling. This Mary, in the gray dawn, would wish nothing else. If the waters rolled over me now, over my short, eventless life, there would be the sudden ceasing, and the anemone lady would hear my voice sometimes, and remember me. The anemone lady, and one or two others. And after a short time, even my pathetic, passionate voice would sound faint, and be forgotten, and my world of sand and barrenness would know me and my weary little life tragedy no more. And well for me, I say, in the gray dawn. It is different, oh, very different, when the yellow bursts forth through the gray, and the yellow is with me all day long, and at sunset the red, red line. Yet, oh, sweet gray dawn. End of part nine.